HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Many Kitchens, the one-stop shop for all things foodie. Discover the best artisanal foods that America has to offer. Shop for more at manykitchens.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway. As usual, we're here at Roberta's Pizza, the home of Heritage Radio Network in Brooklyn. It's very warm, and I uh, hope you had a nice uh, Thanksgiving weekend. But maybe you're looking to change up your cooking routine and get a little bit more adventurous at home. And uh, I have a book right here that can help you out with that. It is Pock Pock, uh, the cookbook. And to talk about it, I have the author... Chef owner of Pock Pock is a James Beard Award winning um, chef from 2011. It is Andy Ricker. How are you? Howdy. Good. Thanks. And we also have the co-writer, um, Brooklyn-based food writer, also co-author of several books like uh, The Girl and Our Pig with April Broomfield, Morimoto with Masaharu Morimoto, <laughs> and his name is JJ Good. Well done. Hi. <laughs> thanks for having us. Thanks so much for coming, guys. Um, this book... It's quite an effort. It is. Uh, I can't imagine how much work went into it. When I when I pick it up, it's just like weighty. And when I look through the recipes, each one is uh, preceded by like about a thousand words of introduction <laughs> on each of the dishes. In a good way, though. I hope. I. It, it's amazing. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, how did you? How, how long did this take? Well, I, first of all, I think that it's important to remember that that uh, it. This is a, a culmination of a process that started, you know, 25 years ago. Okay, yeah. So a lot of the a lot of the work was done before we actually started doing the book. Tons of so research, research and recipe testing. Time spent, yeah. You know, time in restaurants, uh, all that kind of stuff, and then the actual process of putting the book together and uh, and bringing it to 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 the point where it's published now was about two and a half years. Wow. It should have been two years, but we. 
<laughs> I, I blew it. I, I, no. I pushed, no, no, I, I pushed back the... Uh, remember I pushed oh, back yeah, you did. It, like, twice, I think. So I take back that. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so how did you get uh, JJ on board with this project? Um, well, initially, I didn't know that I was going to do a cookbook. Mm-hmm. And um, at first, I had a, a couple of people approach me at, at first, a uh, publishing company that we didn't use in the end, and then a couple of writers kind of came my way. And then JJ was introduced to me by Zach Palaccio, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, and, and then we just kind of met in Portland, talked about it, and... Um, we we decided to go for it. I so, sort of so stopped. So he convinced him. you convinced Andy to write a cookbook. Kind no, kind not of. not quite. Like I I I had this like weird across the country crush on him, mm-hmm. and I was like always like trying to figure out how I was going to like creep into his life. <laughs> and then I had a, there was a wedding in Portland. I was going to a wedding, and um and Zach put us in touch by email. Wow. Um, you know, I got there and we just got along really well. Um, and I was like, oh, have you ever thought of doing cookbook? And of course, you know, of course it probably crossed your mind yeah. before. Yeah. I mean, at the time I was, I'd been talking to somebody else about the idea too. And, and yeah, so the answer was yes. I had been thinking about it. Ne- well done. So I, I scored somehow. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, very persuasive. So, and, uh, so for the last two and a half years or so, um, it, well, I, I understand that you did some travels in Thailand. Um, yeah, I've dragged. JJ to Thailand twice now. Uh, the first time was just kind of like a smack upside the head. Culture shock. Yeah. And then the second time was literally to woodshed mm. and, and, and do what, what we did was in a, about a five week period, uh, we basically recipe tested all the recipes in the book, cooked everything, wow. did all the beauty shots. And we did it all in this really neat house out in the countryside near Chiang Mai. Wow, uh, that has kind of a cool story too. But it, you know, mo- most of the like really nuts and bolts hard work of of doing what you see there came about in the five week, yeah, on location. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we got up every day <clears throat> early, went to we got a coffee at, at um what's the place you always get coffee? Wawi Coffee. Wawi Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but what's the other one with the cats <laughs> and the better coffee? Akaama. Akaama. Yeah. Um, and then we hit the market, uh, the Talat Mung Mai, uh, every morning. And bought stuff, and then we drove out to the countryside, mm-hmm. saw some dogs, saw some cats, doggy kitty, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and yeah, and, and I, I basically watched Andy cook everything, and I, I you know took video and audio and scribbled notes, and and basically what we were trying to do is is take the recipes that he has in his restaurants, which are for his cooks, mm-hmm. um, and just provide more details so someone who's really unfamiliar with it. Um, right. Like a home cook who's never cooked the, this kind of food before, like for instance me, um, could could really you know take the recipe and follow the follow the recipe and do everything okay. right and get the result that Andy's after. And, it, and the the thing about all these recipes were that they started out as recipes uh, when I learned them, more or less in the form that you see them in the book, and then I had to extrapolate oh, right. uh, restaurant recipes out mm. of those original recipes. So what we were doing is we were reverse engineering. Right. Uh, and getting back to what I started with. Mm. Um, and it wasn't as simple as just going back and taking the recipes that I had learned you know, years ago because we've expanded on them, refined them, uh, changed certain little aspects of them. So we had to literally reverse engineer, engineer them. all of them back to, to a place that made sense uh, in, in the context of a cookbook. 
Wow, sounds like an incredible amount of work, especially yeah. since um, a lot of these recipes are, are not typically written. Did, I, I read um, a, the, one of the profiles on one of your cooking mentors, Sonny, and he, and how he never uses a recipe in his life. Hmm. And it's just uh, something that's not a written uh, a medium or tradition. It's not a literary tradition. It seems like in it's, Thailand they do write. There's the, the, now, if you go to Thailand and you go to a bookstore, there's thousands of, of cookbooks mm-hmm. there. Um, but a lot of the the food that we're cooking, uh, the people who I learned from, you're after, yeah, these just, specific dishes. That, yeah, they learn from their relatives mm. and from their friends, and they don't they don't use recipes. Right. So um, you know, it's like learning it's like learning uh, a dish from your grandma who learned it from her grandma. Mm-hmm, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. You've watched her make it so many times. You don't you don't have yeah. to. You describe how to form meatballs. You just form the damn meatballs. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you didn't write that, JJ. <laughs> just form the damn meatballs. <laughs> Sometimes Dan, Andy told me, just, just put form the, the fucking damn chicken in the... <laughs> put the fucking turkey in the oven. Stop That's asking a- me to weigh shit. <laughs> So, uh, I, yeah, so I mentioned that uh, you had a profile on Sunny, but um, that's actually one of the, the really cool highlights about this book is that you have um, contextual, uh, you know, slices of life about uh, different characters that uh, you've become friends with in Thailand. And, and why did you decide to do that? For me, it was, it's really important to point out that I didn't make any of this stuff up mm-hmm. that and that um, that none of you know, the, none of the dishes that I've learned would have been possible to learn without the help of these people over the years. And that not only that, but I wanted to bring attention to the fact that, um, you know, this food exists somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a, like some sort of like fantasy Invention. that I had and, and mm-hmm. that, I, that I made come true. It's, this is based on some real shit. And, and the people who, who taught me all this stuff are, you know, you know, chefs have mentors, right? They they right. can. Oh, I, I worked for Rene Redzepi and mm. whatever, and I don't have that. I've well, I've got these people. <laughs> so absolutely, um, I, I like your passage called "The Absurdity of Authenticity," and um, it's interesting that you mention you don't really like to use the words authentic or traditional when you when describing the food served at Pok Pok and also in this book, um, but uh, that you're rather more of a copycat. Um, right. And uh, isn't that, though, telling of a, of a certain tradition or a certain style of um, making that dish that um, that you're recreating or copying? Um, the copying the copying thing is funny. It's like, um, you know, you if, if you're uh, if your grandmother taught you to make spaghetti meatballs, for instance, um, and you made spaghetti meatballs to your taste, you wouldn't you wouldn't call it copying. You know, you call it, this is something you've learned, and then you're making something that then exists in this, mm-hmm. in the, you know, it looks like spaghetti and meatballs, it tastes like spaghetti and meatballs, it's slightly different, but it fits within that flavor palette of spaghetti and meatballs, right? That's kind of what Andy does. He, you know, he takes a dish, and he he doesn't interpret it, he doesn't, like, get creative with it, he doesn't make, you know, you know, lop into a flan or something like that. You don't make your like own that. version or... or but, but, he make, but he doesn't, like, straight rip, you know, he's not, like, t- ripping off people. You know, okay. he, he 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 like has spent so much time there. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that he can he can kind of cook in a way that you know he's making his own food and that it's his it's to his own tastes. But those tastes exist within this palate that would exist in say northern Thailand. I, I can give you kind of a practical mm-hmm. example of that. So the kasoi that we make 
at at Pok Pok. <clears throat> that dish exists in Thailand. There's no one way to make it. Yeah. You can go to 20 different Kosoi restaurants and have 20 different versions. Mm-hmm. And so rather than, than uh, go, okay, we're going to do the version that exists at this place exactly. First of all, it would be impossible because yeah. I, you're not going to give me their recipe, right? They're, they're not going to turn it over. <clears throat> but there's a certain sort of uh, sort of array of flavors, right? It's like working with ramen or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's going to be uh, everybody's got a different version, but there's some rules that you follow more or less. So the uh, the uh, the kausoi that we make at Pak Pak is kind of this amalgam of maybe you know four different versions, okay. and there's certain things that I like about one that I don't like about another, or I like better about this, and I'm I have enough of a knowledge about the ingredients that I can tweak a little bit this way or that way, mm-hmm. add a little bit of this or a little bit of that to make it come out the way that that I that I think it would taste the best. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, what I hope to do is to make khao soy so that if you were doing a blind taste, taste test in Chiang Mai, that you would sit down and taste like four different kinds of, of khao soy from four right. different places. And ours was one of them. It, it would just taste like khao soy. You wouldn't go, oh, that's the white dude's khao soy. <laughs> right. It's just khao soy. But that's an interesting thing. It's like this whole idea of seasoning to taste. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every book <clears throat> says season to taste. Season to taste with salt, season to taste with vinegar. Um, but of course, like when that happens in a French context or an Italian context, American Southern context, Southern American context, um, you know that you know you kind of you, you know your tastes are, are what you should follow. You should judge. You know, if something needs salt, you add salt and it tastes better. Mm-hmm. But in, in Thailand, if if you were to follow, or if I as a as a neophyte, um, if I were to follow my tastes, I would always add more sugar. You know, I always want things sweeter. Um, so you know, you do that to a papaya salad that's from from uh, the northeast Isan, then you then what you get is is a is a papaya salad that tastes so sweet that it's no longer papaya salad from Isan, right? Uh, it's it's it's, it's yeah. that's part of the defining, you know, quality of this papaya salad. It's really funky, really salty, really spicy. It's mm-hmm. not sweet at all. So mm-hmm. I, I have another anecdote that we don't talk about in the book. Is I got uh, I, I went to dinner at Next. Okay. Uh, when they did their Thai, thai menu. Right. And they were doing a version of Somtham or papaya salad. And I tasted it, and it was, to me, it didn't taste like Thai papaya salad at all. Mm. It was, there was, the flavor balance was, for me, way out of whack. Mm. But as a Westerner, when I tasted it, I could, it was delicious. Like <laughs> I, and I understood how they got to where they got to by making it. It, was, it wasn't spicy enough, it wasn't sour enough for me mm-hmm. uh, but what they made was a delicious thing um but if you would have made if they would have made that in thailand and gave it to a thai person the th- thai person would have been like yeah, I, you know i don't know what to do with this <laughs> right but it, right. it worked really well for the western palate and everything i had that night was really delicious and not much of it tasted like what i would perceive it should taste like in thailand mm-hmm. and i think that that, that perception speaks directly to the first part of your question, which was about authenticity, mm-hmm. which is that in the end, if it tastes good, eat it. Right. 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 It don't, don't get too caught up in this idea of authenticity mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> because it, you, you're never going to get to that archetypical papaya right. salad. Right. And it, and it depends on your uh, surrounding and the context and the customers. And um, mm-hmm. it sounds like these things are kind of unavoidable. 
unavoidable. Yeah, and ever evolving too. Mm-hmm. Ever evolving. Yeah. Having said that, uh, <laughs> we, we actually, uh, you know, uh, have a pretty firm idea about what I think the papaya salad should, <laughs> should taste, taste like. like yeah. <laughs> so. And uh, and your food is is quite different from from most uh, American based Thai restaurants. Um, in in a you know in the sense that uh, you know for all these cl- flavor calibrations, um, how would you say it's most different? I, I think that it's most different in that um, these recipes aren't calibrated uh, for commerce mm-hmm. for the most part. They're they're calibrated for uh, to in, you know to evoke a certain place and taste rather than as a way of getting people to buy a lot of food. So, I mean, we <clears throat> there's several things that we have on the menu that are, you know, probably a little bit tough for for western palates to take. Uh for instance, maybe the um the young jackfruit curry that has chaom, this kind of like funky green that's in it. And it's kind of kind of got this pungent flavor that is not necessarily something we think of as delicious. Mm-hmm. Um but I can afford to do that because I'm not doing this so much for commerce right. as a lot of the people who are doing Thai restaurants in America are. There, a lot of these folks are, or most of them are, are uh, immigrants, and they're trying to make a living. Mm-hmm. And they've determined what we like. Right. And so, by God, they're going to make that because they've got to make a living. And there's, they, they don't need to shoot themselves in the foot by putting cha-om on the menu and making, right. making us eat it. Yeah, at the same time, maybe they will after. <laughs> well, no, I, but to be fair, a lot of places actually do have that stuff on the mm-hmm, menu. You just mm-hmm. you, you have to know to order it. Right, we go to right. places like Shipapai or you know Jitlada, and a lot of these places that are more famous, and you know, and things are changing, which is yeah, great. yeah. So try out that yeah. stuff. Um, so <clears throat> much to talk about, but we're going to cut to a quick little commercial interlude, and we'll be right back. This one is called It Ain't Hard to Tell by the California Honey Drops on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Please don't say you love me when you do how you do. At manykitchens.com, you can enjoy decadent caramel brownies, hand picked teas, and fair trade coffee, oven roasted chicken pot pies, and so much more. Whether you're planning a dinner party, sending a gift, or just want to try something new and delicious, Many Kitchens offers something for everyone. Help support small batch producers while you discover the best in artisanal foods from across the nation at ManyKitchens.com. Many Kitchens, the one-stop shop for all things foodie. We're back with Andy Ricker and JJ Good talking about their new cookbook, Pock Pock, just out from 10 Speed Press. It is a beautiful book, great for uh, any food lover on your list this year. Yeah. Um, so we were just talking a little bit about the word authenticity and uh, and what it, what it may or may not mean yeah. <laughs> to, the, to the foods here. But um, one thing I thought was really cool was how you mentioned in the introduction and elsewhere that um, by... By recording these dishes the way they are made, um, 
we're at least keeping some keeping some of that alive in a generation or in a time when um, future generations may not be taking up their parents or family's uh, food business. They might be seeking other opportunities, going to school, and so forth. So we're we're at least it, at least it's written yeah. down. I mean, the the thing is that there there are uh, books on Northern Thai cooking in thailand in thai uh but you don't see a lot you see random dishes in cookbooks in english um but a lot of stuff like lob there's certain dishes that you just i you know i I don't think i've ever seen a recipe for northern thai lob in Mm -hmm. in a western cookbook i maybe david David. what exactly is lob lob is a minced meat salad more or less we use the word salad because there's not really a better descriptor for it in the there's a lot of dishes in Thai, Thailand that we don't really have a an, uh, an analog yeah. for here. You know, it's it's kind of um, uh, so we use the whatever words we can to describe mm-hmm. it. Right. Basically, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's one of those dishes that um, it's helpful to to point to lob when you when you describe um, regionality in in Thailand mm-hmm. because lob or larb as it's as it's spelled on uh, English menus in the U.S. Um, in the English, in English, or in America, I should say, in the English, <laughs> in the, in the in American Amer- English, in the Americans, um, lob is is usually the isan or the northeastern uh-huh. version of this particular dish. Lob oh, meaning just just okay. mince or chop, right? Yeah, it's the dish. It's, it's the, uh, and, yeah, and it's it the action also, and the the, dish. also a verb meaning to lob. Okay, but the northeastern version is is so different wow. in flavor uh, than the the northern version. Um, um, the northeastern version is is the one we recognize. It's got the toasted rice powder. It's it's got a lot of lime. It's got you know fresh fresh herbs and raw shallots and all this stuff. And then you look at the northern version, and it's it's really so different. Um, there are a lot of dried spices. Um, there's often blood uh, blood chopped into it. Um, it's occasionally eaten raw by old timers. Mm-hmm. They eat it raw. Typically, eaten raw. also they eat raw. And sure, huh. absolutely. Um, it has fried yeah. shallots and fried garlic. So it's um, similar in the sense that it's a chopped meat salad, but totally different flavor. Yeah, yeah. there's a, there's a big difference in flavor profile, wow. uh, and and even within each region, uh, in the north and the northeast, there's going to be big flavor ingredient variations. Wow, you know, from province to province, from town to town, restaurant to restaurant, house to house, everybody's got their own way of of making it. Um, but it's a very old tradition. I think the, the Lao people will, will claim that they originated it originated there, but mm. I don't know. The Northern Thai people might argue with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, I think it's fascinating just um, how many different dishes uh, you know you could say are encompassed within a certain country's parameters and so forth. Um, and uh, it sounds like you, do you still go to Thailand once a year? Now and I go a couple times a year. Wow. I'm, do you I'm, yeah. Still, just try to seek out things you've never tasted. I, I don't really have to try that hard. It just yeah. it just shows up. I mean, the the, the trick is to go uh, at different times of the year because just like any other great cuisine, there's seasonal differences too. So, uh, for instance, I went recently um, in January last year, actually, um, which is the cool season, mm-hmm. and I, I haven't been there in the cool season for a while. I'm actually going back this year at the same time. Uh, and the cool season isn't the greatest time to be there for food because, um, you know, a lot of the, the tropical fruits that, that are so good aren't available. Um, and there's other, other dishes that, that are, you know, uh, 
some of the jungle herbs aren't as available then. Uh, but you still find stuff. So this time I found uh, this cauliflower oh. curry that was, oh. it was delicious. And um, mm. uh, gangdokalam. Gangdokalam. Dokalam. Dok meaning flower and galam meaning cabbage. That, that's what they oh, call cauliflower. Oh, flower cauliflower. cabbage. Yeah, that makes sense. Cabbage flower. Cabbage flower. Yeah, that's <laughs> what, what they call cauliflower. And it's not too far from our definition. Our <coughs> yeah. <word>. yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Cauliflower. So anyway, it, it, you know, I had never had this dish before. And mm. it wasn't that it wasn't there. It's just I didn't notice it before. Yeah. And it was right there alongside of all this other stuff that I knew. But I was like, what's that? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> had it. It was great. Uh, tried to make it there. Came out pretty good, and uh, it ended up on the menu last winter at, at, at Pock Pock. It probably will do again. That sounds great. But it's cool, like, even after so many years of going there, and so many years of going there with, with people who are from Chiang Mai um, and are, you know, introducing you to new stuff, still, you, he constantly is coming upon stuff that, that is new or new to him. Or mm-hmm. And how? what is the best neat. way to, to navigate that and seek that out? Um, I know you speak pretty good Thai um, but uh, for, <laughs> but you, you did say also like in your earlier travels in Thailand you would often find uh, foods that were just a slightly different than the foods you'd see in American Thai restaurants it's maybe a better version of it hmm. until you kind of sought out and you know tried these foods that the Thai people were eating hmm. so how do we do that? It's when we tricky. Travel? It's very tricky. I mean, the, it's the whole thing is is kind of opaque uh, to to the average tourist. Mm-hmm. Even if you are actively seeking food out, um, your best bet is to try to find uh, a a blog. Like okay. our good friend Austin, who did the, the photos, right. he has a fantastic ah. uh, food blog that you should check out. It's at austinbushphotography.com. Um, but Austin's a weird bird. He's he's kind of, he's almost like a Thai food savant. He's been there yeah. for like fifteen years. He speaks the language. He speaks a bunch of different dialects. He's really into the food, and he's he like goes and finds his stuff, um, and he writes about it on his blog. But aside from that, how would you know? The the probably the best places are going to be, uh, you know, restaurants or roadside places where the signs are in Thai, and the Thai mm-hmm. alphabet is not the same alphabet as mm-hmm. ours, right? So it's basically unreadable. I can't read Thai, which is mm. a big problem for me. <laughs> um, and even if you speak Thai, you have to know the dish that you're asking for, or looking for, ah, right? And, and you have to know it right. it, it's. It, and even if you have a really good Thai friend who's like, "Oh, I'll take you to all the good places," you're going to end up eating tomkagai still, oh. because a lot of times, because the, you, the Thai people it. at a, sort of this very um, base level have a hard time believing that we Westerners are capable of eating the food that they eat. That yeah. And also Thai society, they're, they're very um, much want you to enjoy your time in Thailand and to, to enjoy the food and, mm. to, and to think it's delicious. And if you, if they serve you something and you kind of like turn your nose up, it, it's, it's right. like a big yeah, fail for them. Yeah, right. Totally. Like, and they don't want to fail. So <laughs> and to be fair, most, you know, most, <laughs> most tourists, people probably wouldn't, even, even yeah. those who think they mm. want to try something, don't really want to try it or at least they when they try it they're mm-hmm. like ooh i don't know i don't know about that i mean i know right. i had that experience a couple of times when andy would introduce me to a new dish and you know i'm used to i'm used to eating patsyu and and pet mm-hmm. kimao and all that stuff at you know western thai restaurants did, and and he did would, some of the food you tried like just blow your sock or in a yeah. bad way not, in a, ba- not okay. in a bad way so much as a like 
it, surprise. It, it, yeah, it was yeah. really surprising. It's it like, can be a little shocking to the palate. Mm-hmm. I mean, in in like the a lot of the stuff that's really interesting and delicious are things that we've been kind of taught as honkies growing mm-hmm. up in America. <laughs> I mean, it's you know we're changing demographic now, but. You know, as a honky American growing up, the the idea of even eating offal is a difficult thing for some people to overcome. Right. Or even eating a, a, a whole fish with right. a head and a tail on it. I mean, it's pretty benign and, and, you know, but even that can be difficult for us. Um, Not to mention, you know, herbs that are that taste so bitter oh, that yeah. they, they makes you think you might have been poisoned. Right. If Andy <laughs> wasn't there to tell me mm-hmm. that I wasn't poisoned, I would have... Yeah. <laughs> Taking myself to a hospital. Let alone eating raw blood soup right. with minced raw pork and offal in it. I mean, that's, you know, you're, you're pushing the boundaries of right. what, you know, even people who grow up around things that are a little bit... Well, I guess know. it's good to see, though, that some people are eating it and enjoying it, so can't, it, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. well, I think, it's just I a think, matter of perception. Yeah, and I think that, you know, as a society, we're, we're changing a lot, and uh, we've become much more adventurous in our eating. And uh, I think it's just matter of convincing the people that know how to make this stuff to make it mm-hmm. right. <laughs> right and the po- <laughs> Hence right? this book <laughs> yeah yeah so just a, a kind of random question uh how did you come up with your it's on the back cover chicken wings recipe uh okay so the story with that was i was in vietnam traveling right before i opened pock pock about mm-hmm. uh, just you know six months before pock pock in opened. portland yeah. yeah um and it was i knew when I left on this trip that I basically had, this is my last big trip before I was going to open a restaurant yeah, and be you know, stuck <laughs> handcuffed to the place for years, probably. Yeah. Um, so one of the places I went was Vietnam and I had this dish at a little Bia Hoi stand. Bia Hoi means fresh beer in Vietnamese. Mm. And, uh, you sit on these little plastic stools. They've got a big, huge vat of, of like room temperature, uh, beer that's weak mm. and they serve it to you in jugs and you get ice cubes you get yeah. a bucket of ice and and then they'll have snacks along with it and ah. it, uh the only, they had like a menu that was like paper with some magic marker on it that said and one of the things it said was fish sauce wings in english mm. and i thought how could that be bad <laughs> uh, so got them and it was it turned out to be one of the best things i'd had on the whole trip and uh so i scribbled it down in my notebook promptly lost the notebook it was terrible it was devastating i lost like a whole like like all your notes all my notes for a month's worth of travel in vietnam just like that were gone and uh so i had to try to reconstruct it from memory uh and like i actually only took a picture of the table after i'd eaten everything (laughs) there's a picture from that 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 particular day but there's like it's like empty plates (laughs) um so when i got back uh and Long story short, Pock Pock opened as a shack and then later on became a restaurant. It wasn't until we, we opened the full restaurant that these came onto the menu. Okay. And uh, so development, uh, basically, friend Ike, who worked with me, uh, helped me figure out the, the recipe for uh, he's, it. He's Vietnamese and his name is Ike or something Ike, like that, Ike, right? Yeah. But they call him Ike because yeah. who can say Ike? <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. The, the irony is that, of course, like it's one of the most popular dishes at Pak Pak, and it's the most popular. It's the most popular. Yeah. I didn't want to say that because I thought it would hurt your feelings. It is, but um, it is also one of the few dishes, one of three or so dishes on the menu that's decidedly not Thai, straight up Vietnamese. And who would have known after uh, you know uh, cleared up plates and uh, no yeah. notes to speak of that that would uh, 
turn out such a good recipe. Yeah. I mean, well, it, it wasn't instantaneous. We had to work yeah. at it, and we worked sure. at it and worked at it worked at it over the years, and it, it you know finally got it locked down a couple of years into it. And that one is so doable at home. Oh, good. So yeah. good. Yeah. You've been making it at home? Oh, yeah. yeah. All the time. Oh, I can't wait. Well, thank you so much for sharing these recipes that took so much uh, time and research and traveling and new experiences and I, I really enjoyed it I, sh- I really enjoyed reading about all the wonderful people throughout your visits uh, and travels too so thanks well, thanks much. for having us yeah. thanks for having and, us and uh, that's about all the time we've got for today so see you next week on Eat Your Words bye thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.